Welcome to the High Road to Leadership. I'm your host, Beverly Lewis, and today I am with you solo. Don't have a guest in the studio, but I have an interesting story to tell you. And again, I want to welcome you to the High Road. It's I love the parts of the road that are beautiful, where the landscape is great, where the scenery is good, the views are terrific. But, you know, when you're on a journey, there are going to be parts of the road that are not pretty. And I'm personally in one of those parts of my journey right now, in a sense, and I'm going to share with you some details about that today for a couple of reasons. I'm going through some things, and I haven't posted about them on social media at all. And one of the reasons is because, frankly, we went, we've been through so much, my family and I, in the last four years, that I don't, I get tired of talking about damage and that kind of thing. I want to talk about hope and positivity. But in the interest of being authentic and to reassure you that you are not alone in whatever you're going through, I wanted to share some some things about the journey today. And also because Frankly, I know that some people have probably wondered. I've announced things that I was going to do. I've undertaken projects that I haven't been able to follow through on. And I haven't, I don't like to make excuses. So I just really haven't said anything. I just haven't been able to do what I'm normally able to do professionally and personally during this season of my life. I think that applies to a lot of us. You know, taking it back to the picture of a journey, you know, where we talk about the high road to leadership. Well, there are low spots. And sometimes when we get in those places that feel like we're in the wilderness or in the midst of a raging storm, our GPS goes out. You know, we're not sure where we are and we can't kind of tend to get anxious asking questions like, are my supplies are going to hold out? Am I going to make it? How far do I have to go to get out of this mess and get to a good part again? Am I even going in the right direction? Does anybody even know that I'm lost? Do they care? You know, we tend to get anxious by asking all of those kind of questions. But I'm going to give you some insights into, I will call it lessons to building a bridge uh, to a better place. And what and, and I've literally had to do that because let me take you back a little bit and tell you what I'm going through. Okay, so about over three years ago, it was in October of 2018, Hurricane Michael hit the panhandle of Florida It in Bay County. I live just north of Bay County, literally three miles north of Bay County, um, at, so just north of Panama City. And Mexico Beach was completely destroyed. That is just east of Panama City. The storm, the eye came in there. The eye was huge. We had 155 mile an hour winds that were sustained for over three hours at my house and all through the panhandle. And again, I've talked about this before. Most of you have heard this story. It was devastating. I want to talk about the environmental impact for a minute. I'm not going to talk about so much the devastation of driving through parts of town and looking. It looked like a bomb had gone off. There was a train that had literally been toppled over sideways on the tracks because of the force of the wind. I mean, it was just, 
uh, houses were lifted off of their foundation. Brick houses exploded by the power of the wind. All of those things. But it destroyed about 3 million acres of trees, which were the home to over 500 million trees. Now, so I live in a very green area. You know, when you fly into my airport, uh, it's called ECP, which is Emerald Coast. It stands for the Emerald Coast of Florida. When you fly in, you used to see just, it was like a carpet of green under you because of all the trees. Well, when you destroy over 500 million trees in a one-day period of time, you can imagine the environmental effect. It's called deforestation, right? And you hear about what happens when they do that to the rainforest, and we are in a subtropical area, but when you you commit that kind of deforestation or the the force of nature did in one day, it changes everything. An interesting fact is a pine tree, which a lot of these were pine trees, certainly all kinds of trees, some hardwoods. We had a lot of oaks on our personal property. We live on 20 acres. Um, but a pine tree alone absorbs about 100 gallons of water a day from the ground in, in the process of transpiration and photosynthesis. Can you imagine when you lose over 500 million trees in one day, how much water is not getting soaked up? So guess what? Flooding became a distinctive problem in my area. We live in an area called the Sand Hills, which is has a very shallow aquifer. Now, I don't know how many of you are as fascinated by this science as I am. Some of you know that I have a background in plant science and attended the Rainforest Business Institute in the country of Panama years ago looking for the correlations between what we can learn from nature and how it applies to business. And this lesson certainly does because the ecosystem has to be healthy. And when one aspect, in this case trees, when you remove one aspect, it affects everything. It affects the rivers and the tributaries and the aquifer. It affects the soil. And the flooding that came up did directly affect our home. And and not long after Hurricane Michael, within the month, the uh, water that was in a small agricultural type pond, not even on our 20 acres, started rising and rising and rising and rising. And the next thing you knew, it was in my husband's workshop, which is behind our house. And the next thing you knew, it was coming up to the house and around the house. And then we had to build a bridge to get even out of the house. And the you can imagine that the septic system quit working and we had to move out. And it was a mess. Well, that was years ago. And most people knew about that then. I I was, as a, you know, again, I, I consulted with uh, environmental specialists and hydrologists. And, and if it wasn't so personal, it would have been really fascinating. But it was way personal. But finally, after about a year, the water receded and we thought, whew, huh, thank God that's over. And we cleaned up everything and replaced and bought new things. We had bought flood insurance when we saw that water coming, but didn't pay anything. Uh, that's a whole nother story in itself. 
but won't go there. But we put everything back together, replaced everything, and started moving forward with our lives. Well, this year, we have gotten a third more rain than normal. And in our area, I mentioned we're subtropical, we normally get about 60 inches of rain a year. This year, we've gotten about 90. And so in August, after a tropical storm blew through and dumped about 10 inches of rain on us in about a 48-hour period, we noticed the water started encroaching on our property again. And long story short, we had a reoccurrence, but this time it was worse. This has never happened in history. We have never had water on our land. We are not in a floodplain. Okay, so this story, how does this parallel what you're going through? I'm not sure. But all of us have suffered loss in the last two years. I think it's affected the entire world as we've gone through the pandemic together. All of us have had disappointment. All of us have had trauma. All of us have lost important things. And so what do you do? What do you do when to get things together and to go on? Well, I'm going to just share some things I've done. The first thing I've learned to do is ask the right questions. The question that our mind wants to go to is, why me? Why is this happening to me? I didn't expect this. I didn't do anything to deserve this. But you know what? The why me question is the wrong question. We have to look for questions that lead us to solutions. And the why me is a solution that leads you to, it's not a solution. It leads you to a pity party, which leads you to the pit, which is not a good place to live. So we have to ask things like, well, okay, what, like, for example, when I say, what can we learn from this? We thought we had learn some important things, and we did in the last time this happened to us. But now that it's happening again, you can be sure that we're not going to put ourselves in the same situation again. So we're trying to figure out what to do about this house that now is a risk for flooding. So we have to ask new questions so that we can innovate and find new solutions. By, By looking to the future and by asking questions that bring innovation, we do also develop resilience. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd like to think that I have developed quite enough. (laughs) You know, that meme that says, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. And then I want to say, God, I think I'm strong enough. Don't you? Yeah. I think that most of us, whether, you know, and again, I don't know what you're going through, whether you've uh, lost a loved one to death, whether you've suffered bankruptcy uh, through events of the last couple of years, whether you've lost your job and are on the verge of financial ruin, whether, you know, you've gone through a terrible divorce, you've lost your uh, your relationship and your stability and what you thought you know, your picture of your life was for the, the scenarios go on and on. But I'm going to go back to the thing. If 
picturing the drive along this road, you've just got to keep driving until you come to the beautiful part again. Because I'm going to tell you what I do know is that it takes time to heal. And that's one of the lessons that I learned and I'm continuing to learn and what we're going through with the land. You know, I'd like to think this is not going to happen to our home place again. But the reality is the land takes time to heal. 500 million trees are not going to grow back in three years. They're not going to grow back in five years. The pine trees typically take about 20. And then, like I told you, what about the hardwoods that take hundreds of years to grow back? So certainly humans take time to heal, too. So part of the lesson in that is to be patient, to be patient with yourself, to be patient with finding answers, you know, to be patient with redesigning the journey, reformulating what the destination even is, perhaps. I've always said that when the storms of life blow you off course, that the anchor that you can always come back to are the unchangeable things, which is really core values. And that's another one of the lessons is that the unchangeable things are, it's not stuff. So one thing I've learned is that we need less stuff than we think to be happy in life. I admit just a few weeks ago when we got about five inches of rain in one night, it brought the water from around our house to fully onto our porch. And literally, uh, you know, I heard things on the back porch. It's a screen porch bumping around in the night, floating around, knocking into one another. And I, I didn't really want to get up and look where the water was. And sure enough, it was literally lapping at the threshold of our door. And all of my furniture was still in the house. So all of a sudden, I I admit, I kind of panicked and thought, we have to get things out today. Fortunately, my husband had built a bridge to be able to get things out safely. Literally, a bridge in front of our house. So think of what you can build, how you can build a bridge. If you're in this place of trauma, where if you're in a place where you're not sure how you're going to carry on and stay on the road until it looks good again, I want to help you build that bridge. But he had built a bridge, called a few friends, was on a weekday, and just four of us got all of my antiques out. I had things that they might not be of great, great value, you know, as far as dollars and cents, but things that belong to my mother and great-grandmother, my great-great-grandmother, and I guess I skipped my grandmother, but oh my goodness, people that are special, the history, the stories, all the, but it's still just stuff. And there's, it gives you opportunity when everything is shaken around you to focus in on what is truly important. I've got a good suggestion. 
I'm going to give you some insight now to something that's really been working for me to help build that bridge to a better place. And it is counting your blessings. Now, not just a few blessings. Okay, so the at the beginning of the month, one of the bloggers that I follow closely, her name is Ann Voskamp, she put out a joy dare. Joy dare. Well, I like I like to focus on joy and because of all this that was going on, having to move out of our house, not knowing where we're going to live, you know, what what we're going to do to recover. I um, I started thinking, I just need exactly that, a joy dare. And here's the dare, to find 16 things a day that are beautiful and you can be grateful for and write them down. Not just recognize them, but write them down so that you know that you've met the 16th a d- 16 a day. And what was the magic about 16 a day? Because if you do that every day for two months at the end of the year for this year, we'd have a thousand things that we're grateful for. Well, I figured out the first week that this is a marvelous dare because it totally changes your perspective when you're focusing on what what is the beauty that I can find today. It really helps shift your perspective. So if you don't hear anything else I've said today about building a bridge, you know, when you have how to carry on, how to stay on the road, how to keep going, when this unexpected change has smacked you in the face and knocked you down, I'm telling you, this joy dare. Take take the joy dare and write down 16 things every day that you can be thankful for. Let's see. Let me see what else I want to share with you about what I have learned. And I certainly would love to hear from you. If you're going through something, you know, whether it's one of the kind of challenges that I've mentioned or something incredibly different. I've got friends that have been imprisoned, um, sometimes wrongfully, sometimes, you know, but life, life can be hard. If you're going to stay on this earth any period of time, it's going to, it's going to have hard stuff. Another thing that I've learned that builds a bridge is letting people in. And that's honestly a big part of my goal today, because if I'm going to tell you to let people into your life, you have to let them know what's going on. Um, That's part of finding help in the journey to get through is sticking together. We need each other. We're wired for relationship. We need each other. And when we isolate and don't tell people what's happening, it can... It can be difficult. It can make things even worse. But it's such a healing thing. And people want to help. So here's a hint. If you are in a company culture and, you know, there's there's always people going through things. How can you find out without asking invasive questions that violate people's own personal boundaries? One of the things that I'd suggest is that 
If you're doing a meeting, whether it's a virtual meeting and a Zoom call or, you know, whether you're doing a live meeting, you say, let's just check in with the team. How are you doing today, personally? If you have to rate yourself on a score of 1 to 10, and I'm going to ask you that right now. If 10 is you are rocking it, you feel great, you're on top of the world, things are going your way, and 1 is you're about to go under and you've got your last hand up hoping somebody grabs it before you're sunk, where would you be on a scale of 1 to 10? And then acknowledge that with people. And you're certainly, if somebody says they're a 2, you're not going to want to really address that in front of the group in a meeting, but I certainly encourage you as a leader to follow up with people and find out how can you help. That's a good question to ask people. How can I help you? It's uh, it's important to, to for us to let people into our journey and know where they are. And yes, a couple of these things now that I'm going to share are things that I'm working on myself. Um, because I like to be positive. I like to be up. I want to, I, I, I want to bring people hope and encouragement and strength. Speaking of strength, my word for this month has been valor. Valor is bravery in battle. And guess what? Life can be a battle, right? So valor, we get it together when we share, when we link arms together as one, we face difficulty, Because stress also depletes our reserves physically, mentally, emotionally, and we have to give ourselves breaks so that we can replenish, recover, refresh, and get back into the battle again. You can't just fight all the time. Okay, I'm really talking to myself now. (laughs) I know these things mentally like we all do, right? But applying them... That's where we need each other and to say, hey, I, you know, I sometimes need people to ask me, how have you, have you been taking care of yourself? And sometimes I get irritated with that question because I'm like, how can you take care of yourself when you, you know, when nothing is normal, but you can and we must. And part of taking care of ourselves is being patient with ourselves and being patient with other people. Because I know I've, Reference this already, but everybody is going through something. And many people are experiencing sleepless nights, panic attacks. Trauma is no joke. They might be tired and cranky, and we have no idea why. We just might see the tired and cranky and think they don't really deserve our understanding or patience. But what I've learned is you'll never be sorry being patient with people. Being impatient with people, you might have reason to be sorry for that. Because we have today. It's a gift. So really, last but not least, I'm just going to mention that having these unexpected, awful things happen in our lives gives us, yes, the opportunity to rebuild better, to learn, to gain resilience. But it also gives us the ability to spread hope, even if it's not now. Like, frankly, again, I I didn't think telling you um, 
all about what's going through going on in our lives is really going to necessarily give you hope. But the fact that I'm able to say, hey, you're not alone. We're in this together and we're going to make it. Can't see the answer right now. Maybe for me, it's like any answer of how we're going to recover our property, this big investment, one of, you know, actually not one of the biggest investment financially in our lives. And we do need a place to live. You know, there's all these details. But in the meantime, I can find the good. I can reach out to you. We can make it together. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you're going through. I want to know how can I help. I want to offer you hope. Because when I share my motto, which is the best is yet to come, I'm not kidding. I really expect that. I know it's true. And even though the road might look bleak right now, let's keep driving. Let's keep going. Because we are on the road, the high road. The high road is going to take us somewhere beautiful, but we have to stay on the road. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you for sharing my story. And email me, Beverly, at beverlyspeaks.com. And I look forward to hearing from you because the best is yet to come. We'll talk soon.